Good afternoon, good morning, assalamu alaikum. You are tuning in to Tea with Tiffany J. Thank you so much for tuning in. This episode is called This is America with three Ks. This episode, we are going to discuss the systematic viewpoint from the stance of a black man in modern day America, again, with three Ks. We have Devin, Jermaine, Chase, Lynn, this is going to be an amazing episode. Say hello, guys. Hi, Tiffany. <laughs> um, we're going to go ahead and get right into it. So anybody feel free to go first. How do you feel about the current events that's going on in the world? How has it impacted you mentally? Well, I'll jump out there and I'll say uh, mentally, um, given the current events, um, I looked over um, actually the, the, the timeline. Um, of racial injustice in the country, um, going back to people who are still alive in our, uh, that look like us, you know, black and brown people, um, going back to the 1960s, realizing that that was not that long ago. Um, my mother was born before then. She's still alive and well. Um, and she's now through her entire lifetime dealing with the same things that she dealt with when she was a child. Um, and it seems like nothing has changed. It's just maybe um, the mask has changed. Um, it seems very similar. It's almost like we're doing it over again. So to me, being that it has been so long, um, the renewing of my mind helps me understand what we're actually combating and what actually has to change. And we'll probably get into that a little later and I'll elaborate on that. Um, I know me and Lynn have talked about that in uh, extently, um, but it left me feeling uh, angry and then a little bit hopeless. Hmm. Yeah, I want to echo that uh, feeling of hopelessness. Uh, you know, that's something that, right? I mean, I mean, you know, on the one hand, we kind of grew up in the age of Obama, right? But on the other hand, we also grew up in the age of Trayvon Martin and Michael Brown, and right now, you know, George Floyd, right? Ahmaud Arbery, right? Breonna Taylor, right? And so, um, you know, it's just it's it's a feeling of hopelessness. It's 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 also a feeling of of rage. Um, I'm not really sure how to explain it other than that, just pure, kind of like pure rage, um, which is why I feel like some of the protests uh, have been helpful, kind of just helping express that rage in kind of whatever form that may take. And so uh, those are the two feelings that I've been left with kind of in this moment. Um, I mean, I guess I'd be remiss to say that, you know, in all the hopelessness, I do feel hopeful with all of the kind of recent conversations that have been uh, brought to the fore, thinking about you know how you know what changes you know could be implemented. Um, so I do have a little bit of hope, but you know also a lot of rage. Right, right. I heard okay. um, all of those points, and as for as far as I'm concerned, I feel every one of those. But I will even go deeper. I didn't necessarily feel hopeless. Um, uh, the number one thing that came to my mind was first um, anger sadness, and then hate. And I'll be perfectly honest with you. And that's coming from a perspective of a, of a pastor of a church. And I'm telling you, I felt hate. I had to literally uh, cry to God for um, to help me get through that because I felt hate because I've seen this movie so many times. And to see how this is still going on today and the hate wasn't necessarily because of my life. It was because of the lives of the people who follow me and also my three black sons. So um, I felt hate and 
But I will tell you this. Now I feel a level of hope because of the progression that we've made. And I agree with some of the people. I think it was, I'm not sure who it was. I think it was Jermaine who said that the way people express themselves in terms of the, uh, the, 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 the rioting and the looting and the peaceful protest or not, I agree with both calls. When we protested peacefully, like Martin or like Colin Kaepernick, we were criticized and talked about if we protest violently and lewd. Um, we're still talked about and criticized. And I'm on the, the impression that they just don't want us to say a damn thing. But I disagree with that totally. So I went from hate to answer your question to a feeling of hope because I believe that change will continue to take place. And as far as I'm concerned, in almost 40 years I've been on this earth, this is the fastest uh, progress I've ever seen as it relates to race in this country. Mm. That's, that's my point of view. Okay. Um, how has the current events changed your behavior? Like, has it changed the way your day-to-day operations have gone about for me i wouldn't say it, it changed my my day-to-day uh operations about how i do business and take care of my family um part of the reason is because um as i've grown i understand my purpose uh and my purpose being you know deeply tied into my family and my children so i'll take care of them by all means however um i do realize that a lot of the the differences between black and white people and this is call it what it is um i was aware of it and i wasn't ignorant to it but i tolerated certain things and i understand now i don't tolerate it anymore right uh, i would tolerate things because i knew i had a goal in mind and nothing was going to knock me off my mark um it didn't really really matter what you say i knew where, where i was going what i was going to do nothing's going to stop me from doing it it doesn't matter about your ideology or what you feel or how you think um but now uh, it's almost bigger than that because I realize even more so now this is way bigger than me because there's nothing that separates me from these other African-Americans who's died, who have, who have been killed unarmed by the hands of, of armed police officers who are here to protect and serve. Um, and the narrative is so one-sided. Like this does not, absolutely just does not happen to people who are white. Um, and if And if it did, just like the social media, just like the, everything else in the social media age that we're living in, it would be recorded. So show me the recordings and tell me what happens. The fact is, it just doesn't. Uh, and a lot of different things in the conversation I've had have, have changed my mind, but I'm not tolerating it anymore. I'm not going to be tolerant of the ignorance of those, especially those who um, have respect for me because I earned my respect and I gained it, especially through my employment. Um, just because you know me don't mean you get to be ignorant of other black people because those other black people are me. There is no difference. I think for me, I feel um, the word that comes to mind to me, how it affects my daily life. It doesn't affect me so much in a physical sense, but it does mentally. Um, Because I have a son, like I spoke about when we were, I guess, pre-recording. My son is out right now taking his brother to football practice. You know, he's driving. He's a young man. And um, there are some concerns I have about his safety. And I'll be quite frank with you. If it had not been for my faith, deeply rooted in Christ, I wouldn't even let him go out. But I cannot be driven by fear. So I have to trust 
Um, and also it makes, I, as, it, as far as my day-to-day, what is affecting me in a positive way because I feel galvanized. Now we start a different, I've, I'm, I'm more motivated to pursue equality. It's not like we're as African-Americans are asking for special privileges. We just want to be treated the same. We want to be treated just like you right. treat us. We live in a land where you promise equality and home with a friend to break. Give us that. You know what I'm saying? It's like we it's not like we took a cruise to come over here. You brought us over right. here. You know what I mean? So while we're here, treat us with you know with equality. So for me, I feel more motivated and 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 and, and the same thing as Chase said, I'm just not tolerating the things that I I want to do my best to educate you or check you. But either way, I'm not sitting quiet and being complicit because if I'm complicit and complacent, then I'm compliant. And if I'm compliant, I may as well say that I agree with it. So it's not even for me anymore. It's like I said before, it's for my children and whoever has children and the people who's going to follow me. And I'll do that even if that means I have to um, put a target on my back and I feel some levels of discomfort. That's what the people did for me so that I can afford the opportunity to walk in this country um, free and I guess it's my turn to do the same thing. Yeah, I mean, I would say that um, it's changed, I guess, my behaviors both on a personal level and a collective level. So on a personal level, um, you, know, I've, you know, I've started to think more seriously uh, and critically about what it means to defend myself or like what, you know, what... What does that look like? Uh, yeah, what yeah. self-defense looks like. Um, you know, I, I I was in Virginia for a year this past year, and uh, I was in Charlottesville. You know, mm-hmm. and a couple of years ago, they had that you know that white supremacist rally right down UVA's yeah. campus. And so, you know, I mean, I, I you know, and I you know I you know I'm married, you know, so I have a wife, and you know, so I, I'm constantly thinking about you know what home protection looks like. So you know, so I I did what I had to do to to kind of make me feel safe and make my my partner feel safe on a personal level. Um, yeah. And then on a collective level, um, yeah, I mean, similar to I think I think Lynn, uh, similar to what Lynn was saying, you know, it's it's galvanized me and it's and it's made me you know want to get out into the streets and you know protest because, um, you know, like as a as a younger man, you know, in like high school and like college, you know, I was I was kind of into those into that activist community, um, and then when I got into grad school, I kind of fell out of that. And then now I'm, I feel like I'm kind of re-entering that space because it's just a, it's a very fulfilling space to be around a collective of people that want the same thing that you want, um, especially during these times. So that's awesome. That's awesome. Um, we gonna go on to the next. Well, part. I, have, I have a quick question, Tiffany. Okay. Um, because I know it's, I know it's your show and I know you're the host or whatever, but. Being that we have situations, it's situations or whatever instances where you know even our black women are not safe from this anymore, um, and no, 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 have they been in, in forever? Um, but their deaths have been recorded too, and the blasphemy behind, like you know, like recently, like Breonna Taylor. How do you feel? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm gonna save a lot of how I feel for the next episode with the women, but I am gonna answer your question. Okay. Um, I honestly. I don't think nothing in history has affected me the way that it's affected me now. Um, mm-hmm. You have to keep in mind what one, what we're taught in school. You get what I'm saying? Which right. is very, slim to nothing. So I, we don't, we only know the stuff that they kind of want us 
to know in that and that, that then you move me. on go ahead I'm sorry to cut you off, but that really pissed me off. Like, I was so upset. I'm sorry to cut you off, Tiffany. But no, you're fine. When, I, when I did not know about, and maybe I should have, it was my ignorance, but I should have been taught it because I was taught the other stuff. I was so angry and still angry about the fact that I didn't know Juneteenth. I'm like, what is this? And I learned right. it. I didn't either. And I'm like, wait a minute, what is this? This mm-hmm. happened? Mm-hmm. And I was, then I blanked myself. I'm like, well, I should have known. Then I said, well, how would I know? If I know about July 4th, why shouldn't I know about this? That's right. That's Speak right. to the systematic racism and prejudice right. that they have because we, th- we we know what we're taught. And that made me so angry. And I'm still bothered by that. But I tell you what I did, though. I called my wife and I said, baby, because I was at work, sit our boys down and teach them what this is. Right. Um, if they won't teach us in school, I'll teach my kids at home. So I'm sorry to cut you off, Tiffany. No, you're fine. You're fine. This, I told you guys, candid conversation. Feel free to jump in at any time. But it's just like we're not taught these things. Like Juneteenth, I didn't know anything about Juneteenth until a couple years ago. Honestly, I didn't know about Juneteenth really until I moved out here, which is sad. When I leave America, that's when I learn more about it and I get history behind it and I'm made more aware. Um, it's frustrating. It's even more frustrating me being over here, being overseas, and then the protests and everything are going on, things that I would have been a part of, you know, out there, regardless of my career. I would have been out there trying to make change. But I'm in a country that uh, has very strict laws, you know, against you showcasing that kind of thing. They get it and they understand, and they're definitely in support of Black Lives Matter. But at the end of the day, it's kind of um, this country is strict on stuff like that. So I'm frustrated in the sense of what can I do being so far away? But I mean, one thing that I had to read up on is how can I help being abroad with, you know, signing petitions, donating, um, making people aware, showing statuses, reading up on stuff myself. It's frustrating. Yeah, Yeah, my podcast platform. Yeah, opening platforms for people to have voices. That's another reason why this episode, they they won't hear me talk as much because I want to give black men a voice. I feel like um, you guys don't get an opportunity to talk and really share feelings and light and emotion without being labeled as a punk or being too emotional or, oh, you being too vulnerable and all that kind of thing. This is a serious matter and it affects both men and women but men are kind of being taught to just be stay strong and don't speak on it, don't talk on it. You get what I'm they have to be strong mm-hmm. for everybody mm-hmm. to put on this face. And that's not how it should be. Y'all need a voice, y'all need to be heard. But it is frustrating, just like you know, the whole Brianna Taylor thing mm-hmm. incident in the scenario. Her killers are still out. Like, right now. Just got right fired. Now. Just got fired like yesterday. Just got fired. And it's just like, it's frustrating because sometimes I know women feel like we say y'all voice, we we scream, you know, for y'all more than y'all scream for us. But that's a whole different topic. But it's just frustrating because we see it globally. Like, we got the George Floyd. We got the, the um the, we have, you know, arrests. We get in the charges. But Breonna Taylor, like, that's, that's ridiculous. This girl was at home in her bed asleep. It's, it's it's utterly ridiculous. Sandra Bland, like I mean, all the, of them. the Sandra Bland story is crazy. Come on, man. Beyond crazy. But, 
they have a documentary on Netflix now that I watched about it. And it's unbelievable. But Brianna, that's like to, to go to like to, to Stephen A. Smith, the unmitigated gall of the Brianna sure. Taylor situation. Sure. You gonna come as a black man? You gonna come in my house, shoot my old lady, yeah. leave, and yeah. then charge me? Sure. Come on, man. Where in the world they do that? At? Right, man. I'm, yeah, right, right here under our nose, man. I, I'll put it to you like right. this. This is the first time ever in my life I've seriously inquired property abroad. Uh, and the only thing that keeps me here now is I think it would be selfish to leave. I want at least my kids to be 18 and then to research going somewhere else. Because not only do I not feel safe in this country um, anymore, um, I, I just want to go somewhere else where I am welcome. To me, it's like being in a relationship you know, I love this country. Thank God for the things that it's done for me. But also, you know, it's like if you love somebody and they don't want to be with you anymore, you have to come to a point. Where it's like they don't want me. I have to move on, even if it's somewhere else. And that's the way I Chase, feel. We just country. had this conversation. That's the way we I just had this conversation. Like yep. you can't live like this. If you if the no, love is not going to continue, you can't live like this. The same. No. It's the same relationship. I feel like blacks have with America. You're absolutely right. right. That's right. Not, we that's we talked about we talked about um in, in, like in a couple like your home it being like your sanctuary and where your mind gets to rest, mm -hmm. right? And if your home is in turmoil or whatever, your mind never gets to rest. That's why sure. one of re one of the reasons why so many people have deal with insomnia because they're always thinking about something, worrying about something, concerned about something. They can never let their mind just be at ease. Now, if you take that in a home, like a nuclear family or a husband and a wife, will take that and make it broad for a culture of people, of all black people. No black person feels at home here. No, and if even, I'm at home, I don't feel like I'm going to get shot. But you will, and they will not go but to jail. you will. Yeah, you'll get acquitted. Sure. You'll be walking around here free. You may lose your job. I don't get nothing about that. You know what I'm saying? Mean, you can get another job or whatever, but you're walking around here with your freedom or whatever, and... On top of that, or whatever, the history of the over-policing of black people and how many African-Americans are in jail or whatever for longer sentences or whatever with similar crimes than white people. So you actually murdered a person and didn't even go to jail. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, I just think, you know, th that this idea, right, of being homeless, right, it's just, that's... <laughs> That's why, I mean, I get kind of frustrated, like, when people say, oh, you know, we shouldn't talk about slavery. That happened so, you know, so long ago. Like, this is what we're talking about. This is what we're talking about. You know, like, people call this the afterlife of slavery. You know what I'm saying? That we're, we're living in the afterlife of slavery where the, you know, the logics and the structures are still in place. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, li I like to think of it as a, you know, as a, as a body, you know, and, like, you know, to think of, to think of the U.S. as a body, right? And... and you know, during slavery, right? Like it was just a naked body. That's just as naked as you're gonna get with the US. Mm -hmm. And then over time, you know, you're putting, you know, like, you know, like the, the body mm -hmm. might put, you know, a shirt on and, you know, might put some pants on. Okay. So you're not, you're not all the way naked, you know, so you're kind of, you're kind of covering up a little bit, you know, and as years <laughs> and years go by, you know, you keep putting fancy things on to kind of make you look flashy. You put on a hat on and but at the same, at the end of the day, it's still the same body. It's still the same body that you're dealing with. You know what I'm saying? So it, it's just, I think, in a, a a real critical analysis of the ways in which, you know, 
the, the ideas that constituted slavery and the ways it persists to this day, I think that's what's needed in any conversation. You know, when we're talking about this idea of being home, like that's why we're homeless, right? Because I mean, someone said it earlier, right? We were we we ain't come here on cru- on, on a cruise ship, right? right. We were now, stripped away. You know what I'm saying? I asked you to come here, right? No, <laughs> no. I'm pretty sure we were straight where we were, but we were sold what I like to call because I'm from the hood, wolf tickets to make wolf us think someone's just forcefully um, brought over here. And that's a wonderful analogy that Spain makes in terms of um, being a body that's naked. You know what I mean? We are, and then what resonated with me, and I never thought about this perspective of what you said, we are homeless. We're, at re- we're not at rest. And people want you to stop talking about slavery because they don't want to face and deal with the things that are happening today. And secondly, slavery, in my opinion, is still happening. They just did it more it's effectively. Changed. It's right. mental slavery, and that's the worst kind. You know, I always use this analogy. If you, tie, if you tie up an elephant, this is proven. If you tie up an elephant since he was a child, you put a chain on his leg, and you leave him that way for five, six, seven, eight years, even though he's strong enough to break that chain because he's grown, he can pull the whole chain and the stump completely out of the ground. He'll never attempt it, even though he can look back and he should say, I'm bigger than I should be able to break this chain. No, because you didn't chain him physically. You've chained him mentally. So he will never attempt to get free from it. And that's the same way with this country. We, they teach us to literally hate ourselves and not only right. hate ourselves, to think that if they give us something like twelve hundred dollars, that that they care about us. You don't care about us. You're keeping us us at bay, and you allow some of us to excel. And when we do excel, we forget where we come from, or we forget the person behind us. You want us to be your entertainers. You want us to run your footballs. You want us to do everything else that writes your songs, sings for you. But when it comes down to being equal to you. It's a problem, and we are continuing to be enslaved, but just more effective mentally. And they've done it with John. I mean, Jim Crow laws. The, the list goes on, and it's a proof. Speaking of that, it, it, I feel like you know. I mean, the majority of white people, or whatever, um, though you know, they've been taught this. It's a, it's a, it's a learned behavior, right? You mean um, to hate? They want. They want. They want to, yeah. They want to put lipstick on a pig, but no matter how you dress up a pig, it's still a filthy animal, sure. right? So my thing is, this time to slay the pig and make bacon. Okay, if if I took a, if I took a knife, right, let's say a pocket knife, and I stabbed you in the back of your shoulder, right, it would hurt, right, and your wound would heal. But if I took a katana, a big samurai sword, and shoved it all the way through your shoulder, mm-hmm. your wound would still heal and it would still hurt, but it take a whole lot longer. Slavery Absolutely. lasted 400 years, another 100 years of Jim Crow segregation, and it ended in the 60s. I mean, the <laughs> Equal Housing Act was passed in the, in, the, in the 80s. Right? All of that, or whatever, and, and to realize that that was just yesterday. You expect this wound to heal when that sword was that big. Right? No, this is still alive. It's still present. I was not a part of it. I was born after it, but I'm still hurting from it. Because I'm still Absolutely. seeing it. Absolutely. And- and did it, I still and, cringe at, 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 at every now and every now and again. You'll see, like, or either on TV or even on Instagram, social media, you'll see like the brief clips of of the things they used to do when they used to stick dogs on black people when they were peacefully protesting. You, they used to say, um, 
He's the uh, and we know because me, me and Lynn are both firemen or whatever. They yeah. turn fire hoses on black people. Like mm-hmm. if, 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 to, to the commoner, bro, God, you'll yeah, never so, understand until you work in the fire department how much you'll never understand what that, what that, what that means, what that pressure is. Hmm. You'll never mm-hmm. understand it. Never. But being that we're firemen, I understand that like, if you if you open a, 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 a certain size hose line on a person, you might as well be hitting them with rubber bullets. There's no doubt about it. Constantly, like consist, like it won't stop. Not one bullet. It's just a constant bullet just hitting you until they turn it off. Like so much force that it'll knock you down the street. Mm-hmm. Right? There's so much force in a, in a fire hose that sometimes if it's too much, you can't even hold it. It'll lift you off your feet. Just holding the hose. You, the person who's manning it, we have fire hose that it takes two or three people to sit on it. To sit in on order the hose. To, to 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 control that thing and to think that we're not that far removed from that kind of treatment, I'll be quite frank with you. I have zero tolerance at this point in my life for people who cannot at least recognize that there is a significant need for change in regards to how they treat black people. And not just black people, we're just talking about black people today. Right. But there's tons of injustice, including our Oh yeah, it's more, yeah. Absolutely. Tons Absolutely. of it. <clears throat> How do you guys feel? Well, I know how you feel, but I want you to talk about your emotions about the police brutality. See, you seeing it live, you seeing it recorded. What is it? What is it doing to you mentally? Well, I'll start I'm, with that one. I, I, go ahead, Jermaine. Go ahead, Jermaine. Oh, I, well, all right. <laughs> no. no. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, for me, for me, it's just. I mean, like, one thing I do want to say is that I, I think we should stop circulating these videos. And the reason I say that is because on the, all right, on the one hand, we can say, you know, the reason the video is, exists is the reason why, you know, like the reason, like, right, exactly. The, re- the reason we see this cop kneeling on George Floyd's neck for eight minutes. The reason we, like, like because we see that is because, is, you know, is the reason why we see all of this protest in the streets, right? It's because that visceral reaction to that video, right? So I understand the importance of, of showing the injustice, right? Like going back to the civil rights movement, right? And, and, and the uh, fire hoses, right? It, it was only when the U.S. saw the South blowing, you know, Black people away with fire hoses. It was only then, you know, that people realized, okay, something's wrong here. So I understand the importance of that, but at the same time, when you when you turn on CNN, and they're and they're you know and whatever whatever no whatever not just CNN whatever news station and they're just constantly showing this video and these clips of this black man getting his life kneeled out of him, that does a particular harm for me and I'm and and for, and for other black people I'm sure you know like seeing that over and over again, you know and like it's it's almost like a. You know, I mean, I, you know, like, I don't want to, I don't want to disrespect this term in any type of way, but it's almost like a PTSD where you, know, where you just, where it just triggers something in you, you know what I'm saying? And it just, it's a, it's a bodily reaction where you kind of like, you, you know, at some point you kind of lose your breath and, you know, at, you know, at some point you just begin to like cry just uncontrollably for like, you know, I mean, not for no reason, but you know, like you're seeing someone's life taken away on, on TV and such. And so I just, I just really... I want to encourage 
us not to be constantly circulating these videos because it does, it reproduces that harm. It reproduces that harm over and over and over again. Um, you know, and just, and just kind of, I mean, the, I mean, kind of going back to the actual question of, you know, how do I feel about police brutality, right? I mean, you know, I mean, I saw, I saw a tweet, you know, and, and I'm glad, I'm glad y'all two are on, you know, the, the fire department, because I saw a tweet the other day that was like, you know, there's a reason we're not saying, you know, defund the fire department. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, there, like, there's a reason we're not saying that, because the fire department has a better relationship with particular, you know, with, with, with black communities. The reason police, the reason people are saying defund the police, right, is because the police are here not to protect and serve people. They're here to protect and serve property, right? And mm -hmm. so, you know, they're not here to protect and serve Black people. They're here to police Black people. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Even if you're not doing anything wrong, right? Sure. And, then, and, then, and then it bleeds into the, and it bleeds into the public, right? The, the regular white public. So where, you know, you're going on a run, getting some exercise, and a white, you know, a white family feels like they have the right to just come up and police you. And then, right. and they end up shooting you just because you're running as a black person. You know what I'm saying? So it's like this whole concept of policing, you know, like there's, on the one level, we can deal with kind of the visceral reality of police brutality. And on the other level, which I think is, is kind of an interesting conversation to have is, you know, what is it, what might another alternative to policing look like, right? What, 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 what might a world look like without the police, right? Are there other structures that are alternatives that can be put in place that deal with, you know, crime or that deal with, you know, uh, ill behavior? Can we, can we kind of correct the root of the problem rather than just being responsive to, to bad behavior? Can we, can we address the, the conditions that cause the bad behavior? You know, instead of just instead of just reacting to the bad behavior, you, you see what I'm saying. So I think it's I think it's an interesting conversation to have. But I mean, that, the, just the constant uh, visuals of police brutality is is sickening. You know, it's just it 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 hits it hits differently, kind of in in the body. I don't know. I don't think uh -huh. Jermaine that you're. I don't think Jermaine is off basis when he used the term. Uh, post-traumatic stress syndrome. Um, I knew you were going to say that, but that's exactly what it is, Tremaine. Um, because even like Chase and I um, alluded to, I've been a firefighter paramedic for the city of Pompano. I'm going into 16 years, right? So I've seen so much until that was part of the reason I moved an hour away from my job because every I used to live in the city in which I worked. Every time I would drive around the highway, I would be reminded of a call. And so I'm off, but I'm never mm -hmm. off because of that. So I have to get away so I can ride in some unfamiliar territory where I'm not reminded of it. And it's one of the best choices I've made for so many different reasons. And secondly to that, so I agree with you. That's exactly what it is. I also agree with you with not consuming. I have yet to watch the video for any of the deaths because for me specifically, I don't need to see the videos. I know what happened. The still pictures alone bother me. I don't need to see any more death because I've seen too much already by the choice of my profession. And to say that it does not bother, of course it does. It affects you tremendously. In fact, I had to turn off a lot of outlets because as the first question was um, asked by Tiffany, I started to develop hate. And I said, the more I see this, the more I'm surrounded by it, the more I'm going to have hate. And I cannot have that because it's enough to that being spewed out right now. 
So I agree with you wholeheartedly on that um, position. And in terms of the question about how do I feel like with pr police brutality, it, um, I feel on one hand, it appears, but trust me, I am not fully convinced. It appears that we're heading in the right direction for once. At least people are being arrested. And although late to the party, at least they're being arrested. Um, on the flip side about it, it's like there's so many people who still do the same thing. And that's true because another officer out of New York just choked a doggone guy. And I believe mm -hmm. he would have choked him out had not his um, colleague tapped him like, yo, enough. But that the dichotomy. I saw that. Yeah, I saw that. That like the, the so it still lets you know that it still exists and we got so much more work to do. And secondly, at least if you look at it with an open mind, you can say, okay, there is progress because there was a time and we all witnessed it for eight minutes and 48 seconds. There was a time that the police officers would have sat and never made him stop. And it's not like people are like, oh, they're yelling that you're choking him and they're being recorded. They were being recorded before, but now they're being held accountable. And so I'm hopeful on one end, there's one that we still need to do work. And I am, as far as I'm concerned, I do not want to develop hate for the police officers because I don't believe, and I will say this, I do not believe that every one of them are like that, but they just got to get this work for the stuff they sit, sat complicit with. And if they're, Hey, that's just what it's got to be. So that's how I feel. And defunding the police officers. I think people need to understand what that means. That means to right. take away some of the money allocated to that profession and divvy it somewhere else, like allowing a social worker to go in and ride with them so they can mitigate the problem. So it's not like exactly. they're trying to take their jobs and take the money and take the food off the table. That's the narrative that ignorance create and that they want you to believe. No, we're not. they're still fine. Trust me. They're just being here's the real here's the real life scenario. When you say defund the police, that's basically what they did to educators. They defunded us yes. and we still gotta do our jobs. Right? Yes, that's true. It's the same thing. And they need and, and for the record, they need to be defunded. Right. Because one thing that police so long, it wouldn't have been an issue. Go ahead, Chase. I'm but sorry. One thing that police have done is as is a terrible job of policing themselves. <laughs> like you'll police other people, but you don't police your, you don't don't police yourself. You know what I'm saying? You got a, you have a colleague. Like there's a there's a um there's a lot of um commonality between fire rescue and, and police because we both work alongside each other a lot. We end up on the same calls a lot. Um I will say, at least from my my understanding, my standpoint, when we get on scene, I think we police each other better than they do for sure. Because they're like every every fireman is not a good fireman, right? Because no. in, in South Florida, we're firefighters and we're paramedics. So we run EMS and we run fire. So a lot of our calls, matter of fact, the majority of our calls are EMS calls where we're the, we're the highest level pre-hospital care that a person can get. Medical stuff for people. And some of us are not the best. However, some people hide behind the good paramedics. Some people hide behind the good officers or whatever. But we do we do a lot better job of stopping each other from causing us to have a black eye with the public and police since they don't seem to do that right um when i when i saw the videos I, and i've watched them all because i wanted to educate myself on everything that happened because when i'm confronted with the ignorance of white colleagues 
Um, I want to know. I want you to know when I leave you after what I say to you that I'm playing chess and you. So I, I come in with all the facts <clears throat> and I've been able to very eloquently um, articulate myself and how I feel and what's actually happening in the country. And I almost get joy and pleasure and almost a sense of ease of leaving people dumbfounded that I just schooled them so much. And then I come back and I do it again. Um, and then maybe some, there's some selfish, uh, you know, satisfaction out of that, but I really do because a lot of them are extremely ignorant. Um, like, uh, like for instance, like what, what does, what does whatever, like say for instance, George Floyd, whatever he did, right. Whatever his criminal record is, right. Has he ever committed a crime where he deserved to be dead? No, and at the end of the day, so I what feel you like that's, up not, that's not, that's not, this is just me. I just don't believe that that's anybody's decision. Like, y'all not God. No, exactly. You don't decide when somebody should exactly. leave exactly. or should die. It's like, no crime is whatever. Now, don't get me wrong. When we get into child, um, molesting a child, when we get into things of that, raping, those things are touchy subjects. You get what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And, you know, we can, people can argue that, you know, you deserve death. Like I said, that's another, that's another episode. But, at the same time, overall, no, no crime he has done is a penalty for that. No one deserves that. Like y'all, y'all put Michael Vick in jail for mistreating a damn dog. Right. Like it, it's just ridiculous. I just I don't understand. I don't understand. I'm trying to hold back because I want you guys to you know have your voice because I'm trying to save it for the women panel. But it's just it's frustrating. It's very frustrating. Okay, how do you guys feel about the protests extending to looting? Like, I feel like there's been a difference in the daytime protesters, like, especially in Palm Beach, and then who comes out at looting. And we've seen the looting in all the different states and cities and areas. How do you guys honestly feel about looting? The only thing I feel about it is... Um... I don't want any more African-Americans to be hurt or whatever. But as far as tearing up a bunch of stores, if it's not black owned, I don't give a damn. Cause <laughs> they still say that they'll say that we're tearing up our own neighborhoods and stuff like that or whatever. Okay. To a certain extent, you may live in a neighborhood or whatever, but that target down the street, I don't own that. It's right. nothing to do with me. You know what I'm saying? Like the, the target don't give nothing back to our community. Nothing. Or whatever. I don't care, but I don't want to see any more African-Americans hurt. Now I do think I do think that people are the the people who people who are protesting, right, are trying are making an attempt to be activists, and it is the the overflow, right, of of the outcry that has not been heard because a protest is a cry for help, whether it be peaceful or violent. A protest is a cry for help. When Colin Kaepernick was taking a knee, it was a cry for help. You saw it as being unpatriotic. It's a cry for help. Right, I never told you that I'm a grown man. I'm a grown black man. If I'm trying to be disrespectful, you're going to know I'm trying to be disrespectful. I'm going to tell you I'm trying to be disrespectful. There's going to be no ifs, ands, or buts about it. If I take a knee while you sing the national anthem and you ask me was I trying to disrespect the flag and be, be unpatriotic and I tell you no, I was doing it for this, that's what I meant. I wasn't trying to be unpatriotic or disrespectful. I'm saying that I'm trying to raise awareness that 
black people are dying at the hands of police who are supposed to uphold the Constitution. And the Constitution's supposed to be for me, too. But it don't feel like it's for me, too. So until you start doing that, I'm going to take this knee. And then we get him end up being blackballed. Um, but as far as, like, the, the looting goes, I could care less. To be honest. Because y'all got the money repaired. This the, it's just the overflow. We did it peacefully. And, and I asked a question. And I said this to Lynn the other morning, right? The, 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 our white counterparts who don't understand it, right? Mm. My question is, what would you do? If you saw a bunch of black cops killing white people, and it's been recorded and posted for you to see over and over and over. You saw black cops kill white people and get acquitted over and over and over. You protested. You went, you went out and you voted. You got people that look like you elected to public offices, right? And this shit still ain't stopped. And it continues to happen. How long will it take if you want to bust somebody's head wide open? What would you do? Man, yeah, I love, <laughs> I love that question, right? Like, what, what would you do in, in, in our shoes? You know what I'm saying? Like, so, I, so, yeah, to answer your question, I don't have a problem with the looting. I don't have a problem with the burning. I don't have a problem with the destruction. You know, um, you know I, what, I, I, what I do have a problem with is this whole narrative about, you know, violent and nonviolent protests, right? Because what happens is that people will take Martin Luther King and then be like, oh, well, y'all need to be peaceful, like Martin Luther King. Right, but they, they they ignore the fact that Martin Luther King was interested in civil disobedience, right? And people are only concerned about the civil part of that. They're not concerned about the disobedience part of that, right? The disobedient part of that is so when Martin and all them and like that whole civil rights movement when they were sitting in, right, in restaurants and when they were like when they were doing that, that was that was against the law, that was breaking the law. Right. Right. So it's you know, we have to be very uh, uh, we have to be very careful about how we think about these about these protests. Right. And so, you know, I mean, it's cool to come out and, you know, whatever, have peaceful protests. I'm of course, I'm all for that. And I'm not I'm not supporting or condoning violence. But I do think that people try to reduce violent protests to just savagery. Right. Or just, you know, to just like, um, you know, anarchy. Right. Like, no, this is a legitimate form of protest. Right. It's, it's, it's also a, it's also a critique against capitalism. Right. Like the system of capitalism. Right. And like that's something that doesn't really get talked about, you know, but, you know, like, when, like police brutality is, is part of the, a capitalistic system. Right, that that funnels tons of money into the police department, that militarizes the police departments, right? And as you said, Tiffany, defunds other institutions like education, right? right? So all of this is part of a capitalistic economy, right? So when we're burning down Target, you know, like that's I feel like to me that's a symbol of a, a symbol of you know burning down capitalism. Like when 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 you see the Minneapolis police department up in flames. Right, that's a symbol, right? Of you know, like listen, this institution is not for us. This institution is not working for us. So we might have to think about something else. So I mean, you know, I feel like the media would try and you know frame looting as kind of this this negative, you know, wild thing that you know people, you know, just people just out there just wilding. It's like nah, like 
they're making they're making political claims. You know, we just have to we just have to take them seriously. We have to take these protests seriously. I'll tell you this, um, my perspective from it. One, I'll give you a couple uh, the um, duality of this whole thing is I give an example. I think they call it looting so much because it's black people mm. and savagery mm. related to black people. Let me make it plain mm. for you. If there are several times I've watched cities win a championship in some sports venue and they tan up stuff, they tan up cars, they light fire, they're celebrating. Everybody has, right. but they don't call it looting. They don't call that looting. But when they it's don't call it rioting, they don't call it rioting either. But when it's black people, they call it rioting. But that's what they do. Like if um, a bunch of white people, and Chase and I can relate to this, it is an epidemic of drug overdose, you know, and a bunch of white people. So they say it is a problem and we need to address it. We need to, it's, we need to fix it. It's a black eye of America. But when the crackheads, I mean, when the crack thing spread, they called black people a bunch of crackheads. They didn't say it was a problem or that they were sick and they needed therapy. No because they don't see us equal to them. And that's more disturbing to me than them being racist. You don't even, you don't, you dehumanize us. You brought up the point, Tiffany, with uh, Michael Vick. He killed dogs, Well, he didn't even kill them. When I grew up, dogs would fight. That's, I'm not saying it's right, I don't condone it. I have a dog, I don't want to see my dog destroyed. But God, dog, the best dog is not more valuable than a human being. And for you to send, spend more time on them than a human, especially black people, it's utterly ridiculous. You know, so as far as looting and protesting, listen, we tried peacefully, you did not listen. So now this seems to be more effective. I am totally in compliance with it. And he said, we're tearing up our own community. We don't own it no way. And even if it is black, it even if it's black owned, we really still don't own it. You know what I'm saying? Like, and I don't want us to tell black stuff but i but like we don't own it anyway so if this is getting your attention burn it down because you can burn it down rebuild it but you cannot take lives and give them back to their mothers their daughters their children that you, you can never rebuild that you can never rebuild that so if you got to burn it down burn it down and people like to use the example of martin but i tell you what martin did some wonderful things and god bless him but Martin had a Malcolm. Absolutely. Martin had a Malcolm. And trust me, the both of them provoked change. Martin had a Malcolm, and Malcolm had a Black Panther. So we dismissed the fact that it was collective. It was a collective. Although taking um, different approaches, it was collective. And if a white person in this country, and they do, feel comfortable with taking their gun out, and murdering and doing a modern day lynching like they did Ahmaud Arbery and they feel that they're comfortable with doing that, following him, they're so comfortable they call the police. If you're so comfortable and comfortable with that, then I'm acceptable. It's like, well, it's acceptable to me to burn this joint down. And if you're, and like I told a bunch of people who don't look like me, our issue and frustration, we're frustrated and we're tired We've done everything you told us to do. You're not listening. So now we're doing this. And if you, even with Colin Kaepernick protesting, dude, you're way more upset with about them, in your opinion, disrespecting the flag. You're more upset about that 
than you are of, of a human being being murdered? Yeah. Yes, they are. So if it's got to be burnt down and looted, and I'm, it's sad that it had to come to that, that's exactly Burn it down. I'll tell you this. If you on top of me holding me down, and if I keep asking you to get off me and you don't, my next approach is to get you off me by any means necessary. And it's as simple as that. I got a little Martin Malcolm in me. Right. Well, well, the thing is that I hear it. that you know people people try to frame Martin as kind of this nonviolent person, but Martin was was radical. You know, he was sure radical. He was. Like he he yeah. said, America is the greatest purveyor of violence, right? So yes. so so Martin Martin wasn't out here. You know, you know he he you know ha ha. You know he was out here speaking some real real radical stuff, and 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 I love that. I love the point you bring up, Lynn, about about um about this idea of looting, right? And how white, when white people do it, it's not looting, but when black people do it, it is, right? I'm thinking about like, like just the, any history of revolution, right? Let's take right here in the US of A, right? Where you have the American Revolution against the British. You think, you think, the, you think <laughs> the 13 colonies were asking Britain, please give us our freedom. Hell no, right? Absolutely they went to not. war for their freedom. Right in France, they went to war, bloodshed, violence for their freedom. Right, of course, the Haitian Revolution. Right, bloodshed, violence for their revolution. Right, but as soon as black people do it, it's it's rioting, it's looting. We are fighting for our we are fighting for our freedom. Right, we are for our fighting life. for our freedom for our and our lives. lives. So why why do you think we are going to keep asking you? I mean, I mean, there was a there was a documentary, uh, uh, a Tupac documentary. And he said, you know, it's, it's as if it's as if, you know, we're at a hotel and we knock on the door and they open the door and they see and you see all this food in that room. You see people just throwing salami and just having a grand time and you're hungry and you ask, please, you know, can you know, can you let me in? I'm, I'm really hungry. I haven't had a lot to eat. You know, I see all this food back there. Can you can you please let me in? And they just shove the door in your face. Right. And then you knock again. Right. And they and they shut the door on your face. At some point, that knock is gonna turn into you know we are hungry. Please let us okay. in. We are hungry. As, as, eventually, that song is gonna turn in. We are hungry. Please let us in. We uh, eventually that is gonna turn in. You know I'm picking the lock. I'm coming through the door blasting. Right. So it's like it's at, at some point we've had enough. At some point we've had enough. Right. We see the food in the room. We're hungry. Right. And so we, we're not going to keep asking. Right. And so this looting and this destruction. Right. Of property. Right. This is us picking the lock. You know, this is us coming in for our food because we're hungry. That's where we are. That's hey, listen, Dow should not steal, but I will to eat. And I'll leave mm. you with that. Mm. Mm. Here we there it mm. is. Drops Mike. Um, what do you think needs to be a part of the black agenda? Like, what are we working towards? What are the next steps? What do, what do we want the outcome to be? I think um, part of the black agenda needs to be, um, we all need to be educated on a few different things. <clears throat> um, first is how do we, how do we invoke change? And what are we trying to change? What are we really battling, right? Because this is what we're really battling. Um, I've done 
um, not research, but I've watched uh, videos of people who have done research on uh, cognition in your in your mind, in your mentality, right? So you have your subconscious mind and your conscious mind. Um, studies show that your subconscious mind actually trumps and rules your conscious mind. So what you think and what you believe and what you understand subconsciously affects how you deal with life consciously like in, in exponential rates, in exponential amounts. So your subconscious mind has been fixed and hardwired to function in the manner that it functions since you were probably eight years old. So what that means is what we're trying is revamp, right? And rewire the conscious mind, the subconscious mind of America. And that is a tall order and a tall task, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So my thing is, it's almost impossible. So I am not trying to change your mind, but what I am trying to get is you to understand that this is not going to stop until I get what you have. You can feel how you want to have feel. You can think how you want to think or whatever, but understand that the thing that you've been doing, you cannot do that to me anymore. I get the same thing you got, right? Another way of going about it is, it's the same thing, the same way that everything is built in this country. How do we make it happen, right? And the only thing I can think of that would be as catastrophic enough is to somehow hit them in their pockets. Oh, that'll do it. If it comes, yep. if it Absolutely. comes to money, it will change. No doubt about it. It will change Absolutely. because 100%. the biggest, because this, this is the thing, the biggest trick fuck in the world, right? And I'm cussing everything. It don't even matter. The, it, 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 the fact, it is the fact it's the fact that it's the fact that middle class white America they don't understand that they are broke they have been fed they are honestly they are the pit bull of the upper echelon and upper class the top 10 percenters they are the pit bull right we've been fed and we've been trained as black people we are major consumers Right, the, the 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 motivation that we once had, we, it's it's honestly coming back now. It, it, it's changing, and we're getting we're getting we're getting our swag back now. But we lost it for a long time. We were complete consumers. We didn't own anything. We didn't make anything. Right, but now that's changing. It's a bunch of young black people owning, making, innovating, all kinds of stuff now. So that's changing. But middle class white America is doing all this stuff to try to inch themselves closer to the upper class, right? believing right because they've been fed these lies through media tv ads all this stuff that the lower class or impoverished people right a lot of which who have been disenfranchised upon like us are holding them back because of social programs and stuff like that but what they, what they don't understand is the gap between them and the upper class is from like here to the moon right and the truth is you are one coronavirus one epidemic away from being right here with the right in the lower class Right with the people that you can't stand. Right with the people that you that you call ignorant and looting and stuff like that. You you one one job loss away, one accident away from losing everything you have. Cause you do because the generational wealth that the upper class has, what what's the stat? It's like um it's the the it's uh ten I think it's a, it's less than ten percent, but it's like say ten percent of the of the of the world's population owns seventy percent of the world's wealth. Right? That's generational wealth. We don't have it, and they don't have it. 
and they don't understand it. That instead of questioning and fighting against us through this, this systemic racism that's been taught to all of us, so instead of fighting us, we ought to band together and fight for that big gap between us and the, and the upper class. We need some of that 70%. You know, Chase, I don't think that um, um, I agree with you. And I know for a fact that money will uh, cause them to at least, even if they don't believe it, to adhere to our demands. And more than I uh, care about you believing or empathizing with us, I want change. And even if that change was provoked because I'm taking the money out of your pockets and now you're looking at your kids who can't eat, then that's fine. I don't care by any means. But I tell you what, the problem with that is that we don't unify as right. a black people. And therefore, like I give an example, I was strolling through YouTube and I saw uh, this thing with Lil Boosie on it. And yeah, I guess he was shopping at a mall or whatever. And there's a line, there's a line waiting around the building for black people. It's black people line with people trying to get into the Gucci store. It's like, what else do they need to do and say to you that they don't give a damn about you for you to realize you don't need to support them? And if you stop supporting them, then you could provoke change. But because we're so, we've been brainwashed, bro. I mean, we've mm -hmm. been tro totally brainwashed. And I, when I said it before, and I didn't have the time to explain it, and I probably don't now, we have been brainwashed to hate ourselves. I'm telling you. That's why we, and what I mean by that, it's like, okay, they don't like us, but I'm going to stay by because I want to look fly. The Jewish community are winning because they stick together. I've seen mm -hmm. foreigners from this country poorer than we were. And I'm going to tell you something, and this may, people may debate this, but it's a fact nonetheless. Being poor in the USA is significantly different than being poor in a third world country. Let me, let me be clear about that. And those people come from dirt poor, but they unify and they build wealth. And that's something we really need to work on. So as, as far as the question was in terms of the black agenda and how do we provoke change, I think, I think we have to bind together. Um, we, have to, we have to bind together. We have to keep doing what we're doing, whether people agree with it or not, in terms of um, violently or peacefully, whatever <laughs> floats your boat. I think we have to um, be relentless. And also, and this is my perspective, be able to accept that if the change does not happen and lends lifetime, at least it'll happen in my children's lifetime. Martin had mm -hmm. a dream. Martin had a dream, but Martin never lived that dream. I'm living it. I'm living it. He died before he had the opportunity to live that dream. We got to stop being concerned about self right now and selfishness and come together and say, listen, this is not right. And Chase, I agree with you. Money will trust me. You we'll start getting to the bottom line and taking money, then they will be in trouble. I told you this earlier in one of our conversations, Chase. I said the biggest thing they did, well, the word, one of the worst things they did is to teach us how to read. And that's why they didn't want to do it. So when they afforded us the opportunity to read, we were able to, at least in this country, build wealth, right? Mm -hmm. Like mm -hmm. I'm more successful than my parents were because they weren't afforded the same opportunities that I was. But because of the backs, like my parents and people I stood on to excel, my daughter and my sons would probably be more successful than me, right? So mm -hmm. it's a generational thing, and we will get to the promised land, I believe, but we got to stick together.
and we have to hit them where it hurts. And trust me, where it hurts is their pocket. And I want to end with this also. I appreciate the white people who are marching with us because sure. I believe if they did, and they marched with Martin as well. I believe if they had not, the change wouldn't have come so fast. And I really mm -hmm. appreciate that. And I think although we're doing Agreed. our thing, I think that needs to be highlighted because even statistically and just simple mathematics, 13% of the nation's population, which we are, will not be able to do it. We need no. help. And I think what happened was it's the perfect storm. People are home. People are upset. The gays are mad. The blacks are mad. The women are mad. And they all should be because they're being treated unfairly. And now it was the perfect storm. This happened. It's time to take off. And I'm appreciative of that. I'm for equality. I'm, a for, I'm for equality. It's the bottom line. You promised us equality, then damn it, give it to us. Or we're going to burn it down. You choose. Absolutely. I completely agree. For our final question, um, and feel free to jump in at any time, add on, you know, ask any other questions if you guys want to. With this situation going on, um, I saw a commercial that really, like, broke me down. Like, I was in tears. Like, I really have to... What's the word? Like, really filter what I watch before I go to sleep now. Oh, so because some things just weighs on your heart. And it was the video, and I think... Don't... Please don't charge it to my heart if I do this wrong. Uh, it was called PNG. It's some I don't know what business or brand. Someone told me that they own multiple brand, multiple companies like uh, paper towels and different other things. I could be wrong, but I think it was PNG. They made a commercial, and this leads into my next question that um, showed like maybe like the fifties, and then you know maybe a little later on, and then like to the current of parents holding conversations with their kids and it was males and females children about them being safe when they got from under their parents eyesight when they left their parents when they drove to a football game when they drove to their friend's house when they got a compliment that said um oh you're pretty for a black girl um those kind of things what type of conversation or what does the conversation look like for those that have kids? Jermaine, I know you don't have kids yet, but you can right. still chime in. <laughs> um, but what would that conversation look like? Can I start with this only because um, my kids are older than Chase's? Uh -huh. Yeah. And um, I'll tell you this. I have a 20-year-old daughter who's finishing up, well, she finished up her second year in college at Bethune-Cookman. Um, she wants to be an educator. Um, I have a 15. Okay. I have a um, son who's going on 16. He's starting to drive now with his permits. I have a 10-year-old, Micah. We call him Dr. Micah because that's what he wants to be. And um, we speak things into existence. Yeah, if you want to be a doctor, son, I believe you can be just that. And then I have a 7-year-old named Caleb. i tell you how I feel um, in the conversations I've had to have. I can start by saying I'm tired of having conversations, seeing my hurt children, specifically my son, 
Like, why are they doing this to us and nothing's being done? Um, and there's been some very frustrating and tearful conversations. Chase and I did a podcast months ago. We spoke about all this before, about the conversations that I have to have with my son because he's driving. Son, do this. Do this. Those are conversations that some of my white counterparts will never have to have, whether they admit that or not. That's just the reality of it. Um, my daughter is a young woman. So she's, it's not, it would not be abnormal for her to be out at maybe 11 or 12 o'clock at night. You know, I'm concerned, I'm fearful, and I, it hurts. Um, it hurts a lot, man. It hurts a lot because although I'm telling my kids something positive, deep down inside, I don't know if what, they can do everything right and still die. You know, so it's very hard. Hurtful, and that's the scary part about that, it. That, that, that's frightening. I said this in a podcast with Chase and I, and I'll say it again. If you kill my baby, you've killed me. And if you do that, my response to you would not be one of trying to be diplomatic because I have no faith in the system that's rigged to keep me down. That's not just the figure, um, figure of speech. That's a proven fact. When you say they police black people, dude, the police system in this country was made initially to get slaves who ran away. That's what it was implemented for. And they're still doing that mentality has not changed because they've been taught that hate. And I'm telling you, it's a terrible conversation, but I will end it with this on a positive note. And I thank God for this for me. At least now, I can look at my sons and my daughters and say, baby, they're starting to hear us. Although they got a lot of work to do, it appears that they're starting to hear us because people are going to jail and being held accountable. And I'm telling you, as God is my witness, I truly believe in every part of my being that had not it been this time, that officer would have killed that black boy in New York a couple days ago because I don't believe that anybody would have pulled them off. They didn't put him off Gardner. They didn't pull him off him. But they pulled them off and they stopped him. It's not enough. But that's change. And that black boy is still alive today. So I pray that it continues to move forward so the conversations can change. May not be with my children, but at least my son, my daughters can have a different conversation with my grandchildren. And that's what I'm hopeful for. I, I feel like I have, um, my son's younger. Uh, and so is my nephew, which is Tiffany's godson. Um, hey, Trenton. Um, I haven't had to have the conversation with them yet. I talked to my door, daughter in extent about it. Um, and, I, I honestly keep her a little bit away from it too because she's still younger. Um, yeah. But I'll, I'll share it from just sharing uh, dialogue with my brother. Uh, I'll never forget the day that uh, Fernando Castillo was gunned down by a police officer. Um, my brother, my little brother, uh, one of Tiffany's best friends, called me in tears. And my brother don't really cry like that. He's a very compassionate guy, but it, he called me in tears. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because my brother's a very compassionate person, educated black man, right? But to the eye of the beholder, to the eye of the our, our counterparts, he looks like somebody who might who might bust your head. But he won't 
unless you did something to him. He would never maliciously go after anybody. Um, and he he asked me, what do I do if I get in a, a situation like that? Being his big brother, I had to come up with an answer. And I said this to you before, Lynn, and I'll say this on this platform for all black men. If you do feel um, uneasy about a traffic stop or something like that, um, you have the right to ask to be detained. Now, I mean, if I feel like this 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 cop or whatever is antsy, he got some, I don't know, whatever's going on with him, I feel like he may discharge his weapon into me. Um, I want you to put me in handcuffs. I know I'm not under arrest. I didn't commit a crime. I want you to put me in handcuffs so that you feel better because I got people I can kind of go home to. Right? So we can finish this. We'll call whoever you need to call. Put me in handcuffs so that if you do shoot me, at least there'll be a, more of an opportunity for you to act, for justice to actually be served and you actually go to prison for killing me because I was handcuffed and you shot me. Now, that is so my brother will stay alive. But it angers me that I even have to have the conversation. Why do I have to tell him that and let him know that? That if you feel that way, put me in cuffs. Even though I'm not a criminal, I've never committed a crime. I have no criminal criminal record. I'm a college-educated black man, right? I've never hurt anybody, right? Nor will I hurt you. Put me in handcuffs just so I can survive this. It's almost like distasteful. Like it's it's it's, a, it's like a it's like a thorn in my side that I even had to tell him that. But I feel less of my brother's keeper if I didn't tell him. Because the same thing, the same way Lynn feels about, you know, his children. Like, you killed my brother, you killed me. And then I don't have any feelings. I don't feel anything. No, neither do I at that point. Just rage. That's all Just I feel rage. at that point. I feel nothing. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it kind of seems like an impossible conversation, right? I mean, obviously, right? I mean, yeah, and I mean, I you know, what Chase just said, right? Like the fact that we even have to have this conversation, the fact that there's such thing as the talk, you know, in black families, right? Like that's what, that's what's frustrating. But so like, yes, it's, it's a real thing, but it's like, it's also an impossible thing to have, right? I mean, what Lynn said, right? That you can do everything right. You can do everything right. You know, like you can, you can ask to be detained, right? And they'll still kill you, right? Like, they killed Sandra Bland, right? Yes, when they did. detained her, right? Sure so did. it's like, it's to me, it's 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 such a heavy, it's such a heavy thing to think about, like being like being like having to tell your kids that we live in a society that you can you can get killed for not doing anything just because you are black. That's a very heavy thing to even think about, let alone tell your loved one that, especially a loved one that you are, quote unquote, supposed to protect. Right. How do you protect someone? How do you protect someone, you know, as, as, as black parents? How do we protect, you know, what I'm saying our, our children? Right. How, how does that what, like, what does that even look like? You know, and it's, and it's a so it's, so it's a certain impossibility that kind of weighs down on me when I think about it. Um, but I mean, again, I mean, just to echo what both Chase and, 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 and Lynn said, right? Like, we, we kind of have to have that hope, right? We have to, we have to kind of keep pushing forward because if not, then, then things are just going to keep going, you know, you know, things are going to go backwards, and right? And so, yeah, it's just a heavy, heavy, heavy conversation that, uh, you know, I'm sure I will be having in the future with my, with, you know, with my kids.
Um, I'm not gonna lie, you guys have me in tears at the present moment. Um, Chase even discussing something happening to Miles is doing something to me right now. And the thought of that is a problem. Um, We shouldn't have to go through this. Point blank, period. Like, there is no if and buts about it. Um, This is a situation that is going to not change overnight. It's going to take time. It's going to take efforts on all races and people to take accountability and acknowledge what's going on from the police to the white supremacists to everybody. Um, I pray every night that God heals this country and that we do not go back to normal because normal is not good. We need to come out better and different with equality, with peace, with so many different components that we do not have. Um, This is the end of this episode. This is America with three K's. Thank you for tuning in with T with Tiffany J. I am your host, Tiffany J. Make sure to follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at T with Tiffany J. Um, my personal account as your host is T Michelle, T E E M I C H E L L E J on Instagram. Um, also, you can follow Chase. Chase, what's your IG? Uh, Berserk09, B E R S E R Q 09. Jermaine, what's your Twitter? At Black Soccer Doc, B L A C K S O C C E R D O C. And I know, Mr. Lynn, you don't have any social media. (laughs) (laughs) But it's okay because they're going to see your picture for advertisement for this episode. I want to thank you guys again. We are officially today, tonight, as we were recording this episode on Apple Podcasts. Make sure you like, make sure you subscribe, make sure you comment, make sure you leave a rating and a review, and make sure you share. Get the word out that Tea with Tiffany J is the new podcast to tune into. Thank you so much for tuning in. I greatly appreciate you guys.